We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Do they not know I'm half black? Yeah! I'm half black from the belly button down. And just so that, just to show that that's squashed, here's a little present for my beautiful black female fans. Yeah, we gonna talk about this pussy. You punk, you faggot, you hoe. We're here. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. 
What up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Corner Podcast. Yeah, I'm tooting our own horn this week. As you know by now, Andreas Hale, Kel Dansby, shout out to the sponsors. Wrapped up that whole little intro real quick. It's a busy week, man. We have the press tour, Mayweather and McGregor. We're going to touch on all of that stuff, all four days of nonsense that they were talking. We'll, we'll score each day, too. Why not, right? Everyone's doing it on Twitter. Why not do it on a podcast? But we also have other things to talk about, like UFC 213, a change to UFC 214 already. Hopefully, it doesn't go the way of UFC 213 in terms of injuries. We have WWE, great balls of fire to talk about, and the SummerSlam buildup that we're seeing. And plus, NXT has some dope stuff going on, and we have a women's tournament that just kicked off. So a lot of stuff to talk about today, a lot, a lot, a lot. But what took over the combat sports world? Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. It has me stupid tired already. Like, I, I was driving to the crib just now. I was texting at red lights. Don't text and drive, people. Uh, I was texting Andreas, like, yo, I'm going to be home in a second. And I just felt like I was honestly going to fall asleep. Like, this is one of the most tiring weeks I've had in a long time. And it feels like this is just the pre-show. I, don't, I can't imagine how tired I'm going to be the week of August 26th. How are you holding up over there? Yeah, this shit is exhausting, man. Um, I, I can't imagine how those two feel. Four <laughs> days, four days, four cities. They're like jet lag and having to, you know, neither of them are stand-up comedians, but, you know, they, they failed to come up with new material. Um, yeah, this was, I mean, Dana said it was going to be a shit show at, at the 213 press conference. So, yeah, this was a shit show. Um, and, I, you know, to be honest, I don't even know if this really helped. At the end of the like the first two stops, they could have stopped there, but these last two were bad. Really, yeah. uh, even though today I thought it was a little bit better than yesterday, but anything's better than yesterday. Um, Brooklyn was the worst stop, technical difficulties, the crowd wasn't into it. McGregor bombed, and let's be real, the, the tour goes as McGregor goes, yeah. And I McGregor mean, McGregor yeah. feeds off the audience, so. His, his performance, it's no wonder that he did well where the crowds were pro-McGregor. He feeds off of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, New York was tough because, I mean, starting an hour and a half late doesn't help either. Almost two hours late. Poor Dougie Fresh. Felt really bad for him. He's trying to warm up a crowd that's already been overcooked. So that, that definitely didn't help matters any. Um, th- but there's this interesting dynamic to, to this tour where... Floyd has been very smart about one thing, and that's not making Conor McGregor a not legitimate threat. He's making him a legitimate threat in conversation to the point where people that are dumb, um, that are on analysts on television, like, oh, you know, maybe there's chinks in the armor. Like, I think, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, Conor McGregor is, is the wittier of the two, but I, I feel like. Floyd has, has, is doing his best to make Conor a credible threat so people will buy the pay-per-view. Like he's, I feel like he's holding back a little bit in terms of – because he could just drown him out in terms of how much he's made, um, competing in a boxing ring like he won't touch him. Like he's just – when he gets asked these questions, he, he treats Conor like a legitimate threat. Um, you know, Conor says he's going to knock him out inside of four rounds. People like Skip Bayless are the only fools who believe that. And Brendan Schwab – let me, let me do, do, sidetrack real quick. <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. Brendan Schaub has been terrible in terms of being – he sounds like an MMA homer. And They are MMA homers. I, I haven't been watching on Showtime. I've been watching on FS2 every day, and that shit is the Conor McGregor show. 
it's just, you know, Shop Saint trying to tell Pauly Malignaggi how, how uh, Connor can win this fight. And Pauly looking at him, and Pauly breaks it down because he's a fighter. You know, he's like, the under, you know, understanding space. Uh, how Floyd gives you, never really gives you the same look twice. Like, there was things he was, and Shop was like, well, you know, he can hit him and he can knock him out. And I'm like, dude, that sounds <laughs> so stupid. But this is how, like, a lot of people think. Um, but this, uh, this tour... It, <sighs> It was just, it was bad. It, I mean, yeah, I it thought it was, was good. I mean, it I, did what it was supposed to do, which is drive attention to the fight. Now, it did so positively the first two stops. The last two, it did so negatively. But they always say there's no such thing as bad publicity. Every mm-hmm. time I walked into the news station this morning, we don't even got a sports department. I'm the only one semi-interested in sports on the news station. And... The five o'clock lead and six o'clock lead were highlights of the press conference. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean my story is the, on the front page of Yahoo right now about you know Floyd calling Connor the f word. I wanted <laughs> I wanted to talk about that too because I have a, not not a problem. I'm just I'm spectacled about something. Like I, I have a question. Quizzical. Go ahead. Um, why wasn't your Connor using? racist remarks on the front page i don't have control of the front page i'm not even no, sure. obviously um, so i'm know. posing the question on so the narrative in the background and i don't know yahoo people from you know from tom dick and harry like i don't know who's controlling that obviously you just write your stories submit them and then they do what they do but it's interesting how the narrative is being driven and even to people like us who are in it, in which you gave two very good articles. Um, you were, no one can say that you weren't objective to the umpteenth degree. People yeah. crushed an article yesterday about, you know, the racist undertones and all that stuff. Fine. They'll probably, they might not react the same way, honestly, to Floyd using a derogatory term towards gays. Oh, they have. They have? Okay. <laughs> oh, good yeah. beans. Good Good shit by them. Um, I mean, not underestimate that then. Because I thought, you know, a lot of people would be more tolerant of homophobia. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're, what they're doing, I'll let you continue. What they're doing is actually, first of all, they're calling me like a liberal douchebag and saying that I'm too sensitive. And that I might be gay because I said, you know, Floyd used a homophobic slur, which is ridiculous. But, Leo, you have com- to be gay com- to be fucking I'm, sensitive I'm just, to gay people's feelings? I'm just saying, like... I'll, get, I'll let you get back to your, <laughs> your question, but the the thing is, is like I'm just reporting what happened, right? And, these, and it just made a bad thing worse. That's all I'm saying. Like it, it just if Floyd Floyd didn't need to pull the attention back on himself. Like he was actually turning the tide somewhat until now. So anyway, continue. So I saw that and I was like, yo, first thing in my mind popped up. Boom! Congrats, Andreas got the first page. That's dope. All this stuff. Read the article. And after I read it, and just, you know, to be honest, there was, I I thought yesterday's article was better. It just, it is what it is. Neither were bad. Yesterday was better, right? And this is my logic. Your perspective on yesterday's is a perspective only you can bring. Obviously, from the stuff we talked about on podcasts, your history of standing up against racial intolerance, all this stuff. It's a passion inside of you. You're so knowledgeable. That article crushed it. 
today you reported on the gay slurs, but there's still there's there's no possible way you can have that level of depth without someone calling you gay, calling you a fag, you know, being racially or excuse me, sexually intolerant towards you. It's just not that history built up inside of you, you know, that emotion built up inside of you. So obviously that didn't come across. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know what? But it's still a dope article. And I was like, why didn't they highlight his article yesterday? Like they're highlighting this one because they're both sensitive issues. They're both front page issues. But Connor says one and they say, okay, cool, whatever. McGregor Mayweather says the other and it's front page. One well, is against blacks, two. one is against gays. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know where the disconnect comes and why one was deemed headline material and front page material and the other was not. You turned them both just as quick. I, I don't understand. Well, there's two things that factor into this. And, and one of them is the, the Yahoo's front page is a very quick turnover. Um, so the, I, my, my, pay, my story could have very well been on the front page for a brief amount of time. Because the amount of comments it got probably suggests it was on the front page at some point. Um, and then the one today, it's, it's already off the front page. Aaron Judge is on the front page now. So there's a quick turnover to how these things go. Yahoo just moves very fast. It's timing. It's whatever else is going on. Because literally, like, there's nothing going on when I wrote my Mayweather McGregor story um, today. Yesterday, I think there was like a few other Donald Trump stories floating around. So there's <laughs> a lot of things. Like right now, my Mayweather uh, using a homophobic slur has, I'm looking at the page, 1,742 comments. It's been up for an hour. It's ridiculous. Um, the, the other article, uh, I'm not even sure. Cause I know Kevin's was on the front page too for, for a second. Um, and it, I know that was at like seven ninety last night. So it's gotta be well over a thousand. So it's just, it's ridiculous, man. It's just, it's a, it's a lot going on, but it wasn't anything, um, that was predetermined. It, it, there was no like hidden agenda as far as I know. Um, they both had their time. So I, they, yeah, they, I, I just felt like, yo, is it just natural reaction? Is that just the narrative that's being painted? Regardless yeah, of for I, any reason, not that they're racist, not that they care more about gays than they do blacks or anything like that. It's just, in my mind, is the narrative to keep the story, Connor is the working man's fighter or he's the face, yada, 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 and Floyd is the heel. So let's highlight Floyd's heel tendencies and kind of coast a little bit. I mean, once again, it was going to get traction anyway. You just couldn't hide from the subject. It's just, are they still painting that narrative? Is it the great white hope narrative? Because we see all those memes and everyone's commenting on that. Do you, are they sticking by the book? Is that the story that's being painted? Because no matter, all forums of journalism, all this stuff, there's always an angle. There's always a story you're trying to tell, a narrative. And I, I was just wondering, like, yo, is that the narrative being painted for this fight? Not just your outlet. This just happens to, you know, hit closer to home for the podcast. But in general, is that just the narrative people are telling? Like, are we so fast to want to rush past Connor's comments? And mainstream, too. Mainstream, to my knowledge, didn't focus on those. Well, so it was here's a the touch other and go. Here's the other side of it. I've already been asked to write a story about are we overlooking comment, uh, Connor's comments. And I was asked to do it last night. Um, and I just didn't have time because I had other things going on after I wrote that article. So I'm actually writing a column for Yahoo today about Conor McGregor race, um, and how this kind of, and we're, we're, you know, there's a parallel that Trump's America, like how this has become passable. Um, so that is coming. 
Uh, but it's going to be far deeper and, and far more thought out than the two pieces I wrote today and yesterday. So there is a narrative there because, to be honest, you know, one of the editors and myself had a conversation yesterday about that, what you, exactly what you're saying. This narrative, you know, people are just kind of glazing over what Connor has said. Um, and, of course, it's gotten a lot of backlash. People say, you know, black folks are being too sensitive. You know, this is just how Connor's it is. Somebody told me um, the other day, it's, you know, Connor's not racist. He's Irish. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, like, there's Ask two the black people. British people how they've been treated. And, and but, tell me racism doesn't fucking belong in Europe. Like, tell me that shit doesn't go on. It's, but, you know, it's, long story short, like, the, the article, basically what I'm trying to say in this piece is, there's a difference between being racist and being racially insensitive. And I don't think Conor McGregor is a racist. And I use the words I don't think because I really don't know. Um, and for people, a lot of people are like, he's not a racist. I'm like, how, you don't know. You honestly, you really don't know. Like, I've, I've interviewed Connor a lot. And I, I don't know the man, so I don't really know how he feels. But, he, but he's definitely been tone deaf and racially insensitive to, with the things that he has said. Um, you know, and especially the way he handled it yesterday. It's like, you aren't around black people a lot, are you? Especially not American, African-Americans. So, you know, the things that he has said, um, somebody needed to pull his coat on him. The first time Dana didn't nobody in his camp did either. So then he goes, if whatever came into his head because he was failing miserably yesterday in New York, then he decided to address them in front of, you know, in, in front of a New York crowd that has already been you know, fed up with how long the shit took. And then he just poorly handled it. Does this make him a racist? I think we turned sometimes that term is tossed on a little bit too liberally. Like we really like there's a difference between somebody who is inherently racist and knows what they're doing versus somebody like Connor who is maybe is maybe a little bit more apologetic for what he's done, but he doesn't really know how to handle himself. Yeah. Right? He's kind of grown up around people and you know, him and his friends would have been like, Yeah, the dancing monkeys Rocky Three and thought nothing of it because there was nobody there to say, Hey, that's racist. Nobody told him that. So he just kept doing it. But so FYI, was, like, that's a lot of the the culture now. Right. So and it's like there's a Age gap. I'm even positive between when I went to school and when you went to school and what was racially tolerable. As far as making jokes, poking fun, little shit that you say. Um, and I tell people this all the time. Like, yo, I have white friends, I have black friends, I have everything. And if someone's Jewish, you make fucking Jewish jokes. If someone's Mexican, you make Mexican jokes. And within your group, obviously this is on a public stage. It's completely different. But even then, like the lines of what was even acceptable when I was in school were so much different than when you were in school. And it's so much different than the 80s. When you get duffed out, you say anything. Because your parents literally just went through that shit. Like, and then now the, the line just keeps getting pushed back, back, and back to the point of you have people who are just ignorant. Like they're just, and not purposefully ignorant, but ignorant to the fact that people still care about little shit like that. That it's not something to be joked about. That everything about it isn't, you know, like it's not funny all the time. Like sometimes you just say, oh, my bad. I'm sorry I offended you. Keep it moving. Like don't the jokes aren't what heals it. But to a lot of kids, this culture, this generation, the climate now, it, it really is. And that's to be said that only if you come from a place like Connor and you were broke and all that stuff, people give you a pass, they'll make an excuse, you're good money. Because only the white kids I see getting away with that, and not going as far as like, I'm not telling white kids to run around just saying nigga all the time, which is prevalent now. Um, <laughs> FYI, but I'm not saying that. That's still wild as shit. But there is like a a culture of yo, you had a struggle like me, you broke, I'm broke, 
oh, we both from the hood? Cool. You can say a lot more shit than the rich aristocratic kid with the spoon in his mouth. And that's just how it is. So people look at Connor like, oh, he was broken Ireland. A lot of people saying, oh, Connor's right. He loves black people. He, he was just on welfare. Like, welfare is a fucking black thing? Yes. Like, what do you mean? Like, but they're, they're saying, like, yo, he knows struggle, too. So he can say this wild shit. Or he doesn't mean anything. He's not going to look down on you because he knows struggle. And you struggle. So it's like, I understand. That's a past that's going around a lot, a lot, a lot. And me growing up in New York, that's something you always realize. Because people be like, oh, you can't say nigga unless you black. I'd be like, uh, you haven't been to New York. Because I grew up Puerto Rican. My whole family's Puerto Rican, all this stuff. You go to New York, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. Granted, there were slaves down there. We don't got to go into history. But um, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, blacks, anything except for you having white skin, you can kind of say nigga. Samoans do in Cali all the time and shit. So there's a, a definitely stark difference of the culture now and, and where that line is being blurred and how far you can push it. And I think Connor is a uh, really big example of that, where he's part of that that idea that yo, I'm not racist, quote unquote, and you lose fact that it's still racially in- insensitive. Yeah, I mean, and more importantly, you know, Connor hasn't really fought black fighters. He fought Marcus Brimage, but he's never been to fought a black fighter on this stage. No. So it, it, it's you know you can get away like he got away with the cholo shit with Nate Diaz, like he got away <laughs> with that shit. And the Brazilian and, shit, which was yeah. wildly disrespectful, but funny. Right. So he got away with it. But on this stage, you got to be careful. And for Connor, you know, and, and the thing is, I had, you know, people, the dance boy and all that. I had more of a problem calling uh, black people monkeys, the dancing monkeys in Rocky Three, because the only people in Apollo Creed's gym were black. So I had more of a problem with that statement than the dance boy. But they're both they're both like you got to be better than that you know what i'm saying so it's like and which he tried to use son i guess a couple of times which is different it's different but it's like come on man like dana needs to be like yo connor you're not making this any better and then you know the you know being half black like that was stupid that was i mean that was childish moronic like you had a lot of his statements are see that's the that's the difference people expected connor to be really mature in that situation he's very thoughtful and calculated when it comes to his fight game but in life, he always takes the jokey road. He always makes light of stupid shit that probably sometimes you shouldn't make light of. And he just did the same exact thing with race. Connor went Connor. People just expected something different. Like, it's, you're not going to change because the stage gets bigger. It's going to magnify who you are. And that's but, all it did. So, but the, the more important thing that's happening here, because it's not really a... Con- it, it, it is a Connor versus Floyd thing, but... You know, you go back to the movie The Great White Hype, which a lot of people are starting to compare this fight to, and they compared it at the beginning. It's not really the fighters, it's the fans that make it like that. And when I wrote that article about what Connor said, if you read the comments, you see why Connor McGregor is their great white hype. It's not Connor making himself the great white hype. Connor's just being Connor. Connor's being the same Connor that I met before his second fight at the UFC offices several years ago. He, nothing's really changed. But the people see Connor and they was like, I want to see Floyd Mayweather lose. Now, don't get me wrong. Floyd has his transgressions, too, that I absolutely don't agree with. There are things that he's done in his past that I'm absolutely against. But the narrative here is everybody wants to see Floyd lose. When, when, Floyd, when Floyd talks shit, he needs to be humble. When Connor talks shit, he's fun. It's always this, this hidden narrative that's, that's existing. And people are like, oh, you're too sensitive. But it's true. Black fighters, when they talk shit, like Tyron Woodley, who's a perfect example, 
He's told to sit down and be humble. He's told, don't ask for no, ma- no money. It's like, be happy where you are, boy. But when Connor asks for a piece of the company, it's okay. It's cool. He's fun. But Connor just took a page out of both Floyd Mayweather and Muhammad Ali's book on his way to the top. Oh, yeah. He, he took pages out of black fighters, not white fighters, because name another white fighter that talks shit. Like, Ricky Hatton talked a little shit, you know, but that's, it's kind of like a different level of shit talker <laughs> that we really haven't seen. You know, like Tito Ortiz, he talks shit. Fuck him. He's, you know, he's down with Trump. Fuck him. But, um, what, what, you know, ultimately this thing is going to have racial undertones. You can't avoid it. As much as you would like to say, there's two rich people fighting, they're going to make a lot of money. It's not about them. It's about the fans. Like, it's the, the perception. Gonna, it's yeah, not it's about the what they're putting out. It's the perception. The people who are going to be fighting in Las Vegas, the real fights are going to be in the streets, in the crowd. <laughs> like the, it's gonna, it, those are where the real fights are going to be happening. Yo, we thought they looted last time when they just wrecked the Starbucks. Ain't got nothing on this. No, this is about to be wild. So, this, I mean, so going all the way back to Rain Around. Yeah, this world tour was a good idea to promote the fight. The first two top stops, they could have finished there and called it a night. The last two were bad. And I think there are, there are a lot of people who are actually turned off from this fight. People who don't really watch boxing were like, eh, impulse buyers. Because that's where it works at first. You know, eh, I got nothing to do. It's August 26th. There's no football on. I'll buy the fight. Those people are the ones that are going to probably be like, fuck both of them. I'm not watching the fight. You know it's what's crazy? Gonna... I'd what? say that's wrong. Only it, because you... those people aren't watching the Showtime stream. They're not watching FS2. You know where they get it? They see it on ESPN. They see it on First Take. They see it on uh, Undisputed. They see no. it on their local news. And guess what those places do? They clip that shit out. But And but, they aren't getting fed this narrative. They don't know. They even Sure, a lot of people, a good amount more people know because they heard it. But so much more, the super casual fans, they're still going to buy the fight. They're still intrigued. They have no clue what happened. I sat in the office all day today and listened to people ask stupid fucking questions. And I didn't even want to open my mouth because I didn't feel like correcting them all day. They're like, oh, so they're actually fighting? Like, there's no kicks? There's no headbutts? I'm just like, yo. And... Only because they saw the low portion on the news and they were still intrigued and they were trying to figure it out. And then someone else who was even, you know, a little bit more informed, but still not informed at all, was trying to explain it to them. And I was like, yo, no one's ever going to hear about the race issues. No one's going to hear about any of that stuff. The super casual fans are still going to turn in, tune in because they have no clue. And the highlight packages don't show it. I saw Dana White's whole joint today because I like his series on UFC YouTube. The behind the scenes, Dana ain't show none of that shit. But here's here's the caveat. Is while I agree, like, look, this this fight's still going to sell a shit ton of uh, uh, pay per view buys. However, the casual fans that you're talking about don't watch undisputed. That I'm talking about don't watch undisputed. They don't watch Fox Sports One. They're seeing all this shit on social media, mm. and they're they're the ones that are going to be like, nah, I'm not going to waste a hundred dollars on this fight. Like, they may go to a party. Like those these are the people that go to the fight party but don't watch the fight. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm no, saying? that makes sense. For social gatherings, they may be turned off by these two. They're, they're going to be like feminist groups that don't buy Floyd Mayweather fights because they hate his guts. Well, they said There's that the last time with Pacquiao when he kicked the females out. and a huge, yeah. The narrative was way bigger on his domestic violence last time. Well, yeah, but it does affect the sales. Like, Don't get me wrong. The number was great, but I guarantee you there's still a small group of people who aren't buying the fight. Yeah. And I, I think just being in circulation and being a part of the consciousness... 
for right or for wrong, did nothing but good for this fight. It's it's tricky. I think it did good. I just there, I think there was a, a small section of people who were turned off by these last two tours because they just weren't good. This was like bad Def Comedy Jam, like really bad. And, and the only thing that held up was like I mean because they said the same things over and over and over again. Floyd didn't sound any better, you know. Like I mean. He, I don't. How many times we're going to hear hard work, dedication, point to the easy work? Even more <laughs> embarrassing. Even more embarrassing. Yo, he's just not good, by the way. Not anymore. Um, um, his trash talk. I'll explain that later. Go ahead. But, but he's he's not as quick witted as Connor. Like he like he's just he's a different kind of trash talker. But to get Steven Espinosa involved, <laughs> I had also had a problem with. Oh, I thought that was gold though. I, but here's your senior, vi- here's your executive vice president of Showtime Sports being called a bitch and a weasel <laughs> on stage. While, while that's good, well, that's good for like clips or whatever or good entertainment. Overall, to have your vice president called a bitch by somebody who's not employed by your company does not look good. Like Espinosa didn't even, they should have made a decision to not even have him there because it's a shit show and it's a circus. He's not Dana White. It shouldn't that's- have been boxing structure. It should have been MMA structure. Well, that, I mean, it's a boxing match, so they're going to do it their way. And, it, and they messed up. They're f- so far behind the times that they try to meet somewhere in the middle and still messed up. Yeah, but it's just like when you see your – I mean, because, you know, Espinosa, like, that's regal. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not – he's like, you know, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company that's not a boxer or a rapper or some, something like that. You shouldn't be up there getting called a bitch by a fighter. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, that's, that's like too far. It, it almost devalues your company. Because it's just like, oh, yeah, Espinosa, fuck that bitch. Like, and it, it gives people license to disrespect him. Yeah, because no one, the casuals, like you said, casuals don't know Steven Espinosa. This is oh. their first introduction to him, and it's a horrible, horrible it, it, yeah, first impression. It, it looks bad. And as great as a job as Steven Espinosa, who is a very good guy, has done really for is. Showtime Sports, like, this is just a bad look. Because he can't even do anything. It's not like you can say, shut the fuck up, Con. He can't say anything. No, because when you make your company taking... look bad, you got to be exactly. hyper professional. In that moment. And Steven is super cool. He's, as far as like CEO face of a company is concerned, he's crazy accessible. Yeah, he is. He's very accessible. So and it's like, I can DM on Twitter. Like, yeah. you know, he's like right there. Word. But, he like reads articles. Like he said, hey, great article to me. Like several times. I'm like, oh shit, Steven Espinosa. Like he's so normal. He's definitely not what Connor called. So that's, that's just out the, out the window. So if there was something behind cutting the mics off or blah, blah, blah. That someone else, he's obviously on stage. So the decision didn't necessarily come from him. Um, and it's still, once again, overboard for something that was pretty simple in middle school. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, overall, yeah. Overall, like the world tour, was, it was great in terms of, you know, if, if you believe that bad publicity is good publicity, fine. It's on the front page. Everybody talked about it. I just think that there's some people that are just going to be kind of turned off by this whole thing. Because it, it wasn't their finest hour. No. And I didn't like Floyd's trash talk to kind of come back around to that. It wasn't. It wasn't good. To me, and even when I look back on his other trash talks, it was more of his theatrics than what he said that made him a good trash talker. Throughout history, wearing the sombrero and all this and bringing the stuff out with De La Hoya and, and Hatton, like, he did what Connor did. You, you kind of race bait, you attack cultures, you, um, but his was so preconceived. And that's what I saw this time. Everything was scripted. His best press conference in Brooklyn had the DJ playing what he wanted at the right times. He had props. He had, like, everything is so scripted. And I said it on Twitter, he is the battle rapper that shows up with 64 written, 64 bars written out already. 
and the other guy spitting off the dome. Like that's who Floyd is. He he doesn't have that off the hip wittiness no. that, that you need in these type of situations. And it could go good, it could go bad, as we've seen in Connor, but that's what happens when you spit off the dope. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So the, that's that's really what's happening in a nutshell. Um today on Twitter, I forgot who it was. I think it was our dude Coleman, but I'm not exactly sure. I, I don't have my Twitter open. Asked if we'd be doing the Pacquiao treatment for this fight um, as far as podcasting. It was. What up, Greg? Shout out to Greg Coleman on Twitter. Um, yeah, the three shows in three nights. Mm. That, <laughs> yo, that was a marathon. Not only did we do three shows in three nights, we did them live. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. But I'm, I'm going to go out on I, it. I, mm, You can get a guess. I, I can't do it. Like this, as as much work as I'm going to have to do that week, Yo, I we can't got see too many three articles. Shows. Yeah, like it's three shows, and that's so much. I feel like we might have to go to our normal show and maybe a quick joint afterward. But then we got to write so much, depending on the outcome. It's, yes, yeah, it's... it's <sighs> I mean, you know, shout out to anybody who listened to those shows. Wait, dog, that's, I can't do it. I, I don't have the stamina. That's, that's <laughs> I don't know. Crazy. I'm going to figure something out. Let me, let me mess with everything. Maybe, listen, man, I don't know. This is 2017. Y'all might just have, we might live stream it, put the live stream up on YouTube, and you just going to let us, you know, watch us write and talk a little bit about the fight while writing. I don't know. That just might have to be the, the middle ground on this. We might have to have our own, like, little 24-7 special or something. You know, leading up to the fight. I do have all the equipment now from the station. So we might have to have a corner 24-7 going on. Um, just filming Andreas and I walking around and doing our thing. Maybe we put that out. That'll be our special thing for this fight. You guys get the behind the scenes of what we're doing. Um, big time over here. So outside of that, during the week, if anyone who listens to the show is coming out to Vegas... For the fight, whether you get tickets or not, you just want to be part of that atmosphere. I had the brilliant idea to do a meetup because someone asked me the last time, like, yo, you guys are having a meetup? It was randomly. It was like UFC 213. I was like, it's not even that big. Um, but for anyone wanting to come out to the fight, and if you guys just want to hang out, Stage Door Bar, 10 p.m. to 12 a.m., Friday night before the fight, which is on Saturday. I'll be there having drinks. You guys are more than welcome. Just tweet me beforehand that you'll be showing up, and I'll clear out some space. If you guys never been to the stage door, it's on Flamingo Road in Las Vegas Boulevard. It's one of the like hush hush, super cheap spots to get super drunk. I think you get like a beer and a shot for three bucks in there, and Patron's like three dollars too if you guys are fancy. So we could all get drunk, sleep it off the next morning, and get ready for a good fight. So there you guys go. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we gotta talk UFC and pro wrestling still. So you guys stay right there. We'll be right back. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. 
Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we get to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. If you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right. You know, like do it for free. Do it for the gifts. If there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, we're back, and it's MMA time, like really MMA time, not just Dana and Connor. You know, that's what the world probably thinks MMA is at this point. So we got to talk UFC 213 because we were just there the past weekend. Shout out to UFC for sitting us next to each other. Um, I expected, yeah. you know, the other lone black person to sit next to us, but it so happened to be that Rob from BSO was seated elsewhere, a couple seats down. And... It moved over to sit next to us. So, yes, all the black people were right there. Smack dab in the middle of the octagon again, just like the time I met Andres. So, black people, uh, we crew up on Media Row. We did so again and enjoyed the fights, which I thought were a little bit better than I anticipated. I, we were both really down on the card um, last week when we talked about it on our podcast, and mainly because Amanda Nunez dropped out of the fight. So last week, I, I think we previewed it with Nunez still in the fight. Yeah, because she didn't drop out until the morning. Yeah, until the morning of. So then we found that out. We're like, oh, shit. Great. Um, no backup plan in place. The fight was scratched. I didn't miss it, personally. I didn't miss out on the fight. They rescheduled it. Cool. It's going to be a co-main event, according to Dana. He says no more main events for the women bantamweight, which is just a lie. He says this shit all the time off the hip. So that's a lie. Don't believe that. Because if, you know, Mackenzie Dern ends up being the next big thing and she wants to fight 135, trust me, he'll put her ass as a headliner. So he just means Amanda Nunez. Nah, I wasn't rocking with you too much anyway. Now I have an excuse not to have you main event one of my pay-per-views. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what it Look, I, I did miss the fight. I thought 213 was already kind of shitty. Um, <laughs> It just in terms of star power, it just lost a lot. And International Fight Week is is cursed. Um, Three years in a row. Yeah, the, you know, and fortunately, Conor McGregor stayed on to fight Chad Mendes, and we would have lost the third main event. But this card was just like it was like it was there. It was cool. It was it, it was it reminded me of the card where John Jones fought Ovin Saint Preux, where it was like, Ooh, all right, was that bad though? Yeah, I mean, Whitaker Romero was good, but I, to be honest, I'm sitting there and I don't remember anything else on 213. And maybe I, that's I just me being both forgetful. days together. So, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, look, first things first, be, before anything else, Justin Gaethje is the, what rescued that entire weekend. The entire weekend. And as soon as Cowboy dropped out, I said, move that fight to the main card. It'll steal the show. They did not, and it stole Friday night. I mean, it was the, I mean, everybody knew this was probably going to be the best fight. And boy, that shit did deliver. And there were a lot of people that were on my time, like, 
who is this guy? And I'm like, yo, I told y'all. Like, yo. To be fair, we were forced for work purposes to go to damn near every World Series of fighting because they're based here in Vegas. So we saw a lot more Justin Gaethje than most. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I saw his fights with Palomino. I mean, the guy is a is. I don't I don't know what you can call him because he gets rocked He's every a single. Yo, <laughs> people thought he was cooked after he got hit by Johnson, and, and you know, I kind of sat there and I was like, oh, and I was like, he'll be fine. I, I can't remember who was next to me. It might have been like Jose or somebody. I think he'll be fine. And he recovered, and then he got rocked. And I was like, oh, he'll be all right. And then he just he just he then he, I, once he was in the fight. Like once you rock him, if you're unable to finish him, you're done. It's it's that's you pretty take much all around. your energy to try to finish him, and he's just yeah. like not enough, <laughs> not and, enough. And, and the thing about Justin Gage is he fights the same way whether he gets rocked or not. So he's always coming forward, he's always throwing leg kicks, and he's throwing he's throwing hands at you. So it's like at, he just wears you down. And Michael Johnson just couldn't take it. So that. That salvaged the entire weekend. Yeah, he if took that, Michael Johnson's soul in that fight. Because Michael Johnson threw everything at him and then looked at him like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, like he's still here. He's still here. And he's like coming at me. Because it's not <laughs> like he gets rocked. The, the thing that Gagey does better than anybody, anybody in MMA is he gets rocked and then he plows forward. So you're at, a, in a way, he's first he's smothering your punches, and then you're confused. You're like, "Why the fuck? I just hit this guy yeah, with yeah. everything I had, and he's still coming at me, winging punches." Somebody's gonna put Justin Gage to sleep. It's going. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And he welcomes but, it. That's the craziest yeah. part. He doesn't care that he's undefeated, and he, that zero means means nothing to him. Nope. He he'd rather get knocked out in a fight, out cold, than go 25 minutes and win a split decision. Yeah, that's a, he. He doesn't fight for you. He doesn't fight for your consciousness. He doesn't fight to say like he's the absolute opposite of a Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> he doesn't. He's not here to win on points. He's not here to figure out. You know what? If I do this for three rounds and I make these adjustments, it's like fuck that. I'm gonna get hit. He's gonna hit me. Somebody going to sleep. No, I just it. happen to be a better striker than than most people. So, dude, lightweights, watch out. Yeah, they've booked Justin Gagey versus Eddie Alvarez. I was down on it at first. I'm not down on the fight. Like, I want to see Gagey and Eddie Alvarez. They're, they're going to be coaches on the Ultimate Fighter. My problem with this initially was it means we've got to wait almost like six, seven months to see Justin Gagey fight again. Well, well November. End of November. December. December. Yeah. Wasn't it? It's always so, last week of November, first week of December. So one, week, one year is December 5th. One year is November 30th. So about five months, we got to wait to see Justin Gagey fight. Yo, he kind of needs that shit. Let, let him regain his faculties. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the, the thing is you got to kind of save Justin Gagey from himself. Because if you allow him to, he'll kind of cowboy Cerrone it and just keep jumping back in the cage to make more money. So you put him on the ultimate fighter. You let him coach. You build up towards this fight with Eddie Alvarez, who I think he's going to demolish. And you have them fight, you know, early December. Like at that but that's ultimate. a good test. A guy who was a champion a year ago. Granted, we see him, you know, since the Connor thing, he hasn't necessarily looked the same. But still, he was just champion. And it's a dream fight from people who saw Bellator, World Series of Fighting, UFC. Like, at a time, people thought, oh, these two champions from these other two promotions can compete in the UFC and do it. These guys are amazing. And this was one of those dream matchups we thought we'd never see because they were obviously in Bellator and World Series. It's great to see it play out in the UFC. Yeah, so it, I, I I can't wait to see it. I would I kind of wanted to see Eddie Alvarez and Dusty Poirier go at it again because of the way that fight ended. But it is what it is. But more importantly, with Conor McGregor out, you kind of need this buffer, and it helps Justin Gagey because if 
Justin does as I expect him to do in Rex Eddie Alvarez. He'll be in prime position to either fight Tony Ferguson. If Khabib's fighting Connor and you put Justin against, well, I'm sure Tony will have a fight before then. God knows who against who. But it puts him in prime position to be like one or two fights away from a title shot without having to ha- be forced out. And it keeps him visible by being on the Ultimate Fighter. I don't know how he's going to be as a personality, as a coach, but I'm here for it, man. I'm, I was, like I said, I was down on it because I wanted to see him fight Tony Ferguson, but I think I was getting ahead of myself. Like Edison Barbosa, I want to see him. I want to see him fight everybody. <laughs> but it is what it is. I'm cool with it. Um, Kevin Lee's around. Maybe Kevin Lee fights Edison Barbosa next. There's, there's just that lightweight division is just so stacked. But fortunately, that's the fight we got this weekend. That was amazing. The rest of the card, with the exception of Romero and Whitaker, which was a pretty damn good fight. I mean, Travis Hopper Brown, you know, you and Ronda. It's time to make babies. The, yeah, call it a night because both of y'all are cooked. That's um, it. Um, what is this? Four straight knockouts? Knockout losses by him? Looking like Andre Arlovsky these days, right? Like Word. he's just getting Four beat up. Four straight and in five of his last six. It's time to go, man. It's over. It's over for Travis Brown. And what's crazy is, once upon a time, Travis Brown looked like he was going to destroy everybody because he killed Gabriel Gonzaga. He killed Stefan Struve. He just looked like that guy. And then it was like, no, you're not. And like, yo, Too bad. Heavyweights? Night comes at you fast, man. I mean, look, Overeem and Fabrizio Verdum, that wasn't even fun to watch. I was what the hell is this? Like, Verdum fought. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do. And somehow, Overeem did knock him out because he was tentative as hell. Yeah, but, I mean, Reem, to me, Reem, he's a completely different Reem. And to say he might yeah. be better like this because he's a little less um, risky, but he's, a, he, look at it, just his physique. TRT Reem is completely different than this Reem. It just, it just is. And, but it happens to lend himself to taking less chances, and he can kind of win more fights this way. Well, he won't because if you know if he goes up against another top five heavyweight, maybe he fights Derek Lewis. I don't know. Maybe Derek. I mean, it's just the fact that if Overeem gets touched, he's going to get slept. And Fabrizio Verdun convinced himself that he was a striker and fought most of that fight on his feet. And then when he hurt Verdun because he's not a striker, he didn't know how to finish him. And then he went for the takedown. It was just like the worst strategy ever. So he deserved to lose. Uh, he absolutely deserved to lose that fight. Man, Rob Font had to finish. Which was good. The only finish on the main card. That tells you all you need to know about the main, the pay per view card. There was it, one it just, it, I mean, it was a long night. Now, quickly before we go into pro wrestling, um, Robert Whitaker's champ. He's the interim champ. This is something that you could have told me two years ago, and I'd be like, get the fuck out of here, Robert Whitaker. Because first of all, he was a welterweight getting knocked out by Wonder Boy, and now he's the middle interim middleweight champion of the world. Who's going to fight Bisping next? Probably. Because I don't trust anything. To different. be fair, I think Wonder Boy could be middleweight champion of the world. I agree. <laughs> if he the wanted to is, try. <laughs> the, the point is, Robert Whitaker is probably going to be the UFC middleweight champion before the end of the year. If he gets his hands on Bisping, he knocks out Bisping. It's a race to see who gets their hands on Bisping. And I but, think he just won that lottery. Dude, who? If, if you look at the middleweight division about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman. Uh, Jacare, Romero, nowhere in this conversation was Robert Whitaker. Yo, if uh, if Rockhold decides he ever wants to fight again, I would take him against both champions currently. But I'm this not sure which, which which one we get, to be honest. But I mean, I would take him against either one. 
like, like, if there's anybody that's listening to this show that says, I knew Robert Whitaker was going to be champion, please add me. Please. Because I need to know <laughs> how you knew this. Because this is the most, to me, this is one of the most bizarre things. Think about all the champions we had. Conor McGregor, people were like, oh, you know, he talks a big game, but I don't know. But he, he had something. And, you, I mean, Jose Aldo, obviously everybody knew. Um, TJ Dillashaw was a surprise because nobody saw him beating Henan Burrell at that time. Um, but Robert Whittaker? Like, Robert Whittaker is the interim champ. This is crazy. And then he looked great doing it. His takedown defense was unbelievable. Bingo. That's what it was. And shout out to the little UFC breakdown on um, YouTube, which I always like watching for these big fights. And they said top three all time in, Uf- in the UFC's history in takedown defense. And but it's crazy. It. It's crazy because he hadn't fought anybody that t- really tried to take him down. Like I said, Wonder Boy, that's not a guy that's going to take you down. Yeah, but his athleticism he, is just bananas. Like if you do crazy. try to, he's like, he's he's like a break dancer. That's crazy. Yeah, hit the sprawl, the hips, man. It's, it was <laughs> it was a remarkable showing. Joel Romero, um, I, I still want him to fight Bisping and kick his ass. So it oh, is what the, it is, but. ripping up the Cuban flag. Yeah. So Bisping, perfect. It's like a different level of uh, shit talking from Michael Bisping. Like when he stepped in the cage, it was like he threw the belt down. I thought it was corny, but then it, like him ripping up the Cuban flag, I was like, mm, remind me of Bernard Hopkins throwing down the flag on Tito Trinidad. It's really disrespectful. <laughs> uh, so, you know. um, by the way, Ultimate Fighter finale is penciled in for December first, twenty seventeen. That makes Wait. you feel better. The Gaethje. Okay. All right. Well, so sounds- yeah. It seems like we have a lot of Las Vegas cards. I'm trying to get ready and see. I don't know why UFC 216 is pegged for Las Vegas, T-Mobile, October 7th. I didn't know we had another. Yeah. Which will likely, I don't know, October? Hmm. Which will likely be, I'm going to say that we're going to get Garbrandt Dillashaw. I'm not mad at that. That's that's a long way to wait, but I'm not mad. And can we throw Joanna on that card versus Thug Rose? Probably. I mean, if this is the numbered pay-per-view But, but Joanna wants to fight in New York, so. Yeah, she'll probably end up on the New York card. Yeah. Um, like in Madison Square Garden. Stop robbing us. I mean, DJ will probably, I don't know. Well, we'll see what, we ha- what happens in Vegas. We got a lot of time to speculate about that. Yeah. I, I don't want to see a DJ fight here if I could, if I could avoid it. Um, so that's the UFC talk for this week it's kind of a light week even though we had a pay-per-view um they have an event coming up uh we have uh nelson gunner so glasgow scotland i'm sure connor will be there to support gunny tomorrow yeah sure of it and nah, that'll be dope see if gunner nelson can you know pull out another w and this is kind of just a placeholder because after that we get the long island card which is dope because it's all new york fighters which means we actually get some really good fights and then we get Jones Cormier, which is going to be... You want to see a shit show? That's the next shit show. Yeah, John Jones, um, if you guys haven't checked it out, there's an article floating around. Uh, I'm not sure. Is it Bleacher Report? Yeah, um, it's Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report, where he's just lawless in his talk. And he, man, that guy loves cocaine. Yeah, what can is. I say? He's proud of it. Wow. Not, no turning back now. Hey, a little yayo never killed nobody. <laughs> or according to John Jones. Don't tell him. So, that's MMA this week. Next week, we'll kind of get into the upcoming cards and preview anything um, you guys want to hear about. Right now, we're going to take another break. Right after we come back, we're talking WWE. Andreas has to talk about Great Balls of Fire. Um, the inaugural 
So it might be coming back. I know he's excited about that and everything else in the world of pro wrestling. So stay tuned. All right, everybody, before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100 day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know like 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code. We're back. It's wrestling time. Um, a lot to talk about. Between the break, we were talking about the cancellation of Talking Smack, which I actually found pretty dope as a show. So that sucks that that's going to be gone. I thought that added a nice little twist to SmackDown. Cruiserweights will get a little bit more of a profile. But I don't know. Maybe they're making room on the network maybe we get a weekly you know european wrestling show where we can actually see great builds to these european championship matches that have been dope um maybe they're making way for you know the the women's tournament this is just not enough bandwidth i guess they don't want to over flood the market with wrestling which they're already doing so maybe they're just clearing space who knows um but talking smack was dope so rest in peace talking smack hopefully it comes back like the undertaker um, what else is happening in World Pro Wrestling? Oh, Great Balls of Fire. What the hell am I doing? Great Balls of Fire. First off, I'm going to skip right to the end. We're going to work backwards. Joe Lesnar, and I told you I'll explain this because we were talking. I was busy and shit. You're messing with me on Twitter. So, the way I wanted that to read, in which I guess I read it, and I was like, oh, I'm not sure if it reads this way. Um, the way I wanted that tweet to read was, I think this is Joe's best showing in a match. How the hell did you get Lesnar confused with Joe? Or excuse me, Lesnar. Um, no, no, this is Lesnar's best showing in a match the past 10 years because I thought he honestly gave way to Samoa Joe and to the point of he let Samoa Joe dictate the pace of the match, the next move, the sequencing. He took a huge bump to start off the match and it wasn't like a, a rest hold. It wasn't like a rest break bump. Like he did in the Rollins triple threat versus Cena where he disappeared for 20 minutes. He was like, yo, I'm just collecting a check. So you can jump through a table onto me and then I'm going to just chill out here for the rest of the fucking match. Um, it wasn't him just murdering people like him versus Cena. This and Lesnar Punk were his best two, his best two matches. Lesnar Punk was obviously a lot longer, so they told a good story. So I can see that. But I never thought Punk really... I, I don't know. Punk physically wasn't imposing enough to give me that feeling that I had watching Joe versus Lesnar. And I knew the whole time. It's one of those where it's like, I know Joe's not going to win. I'm not Joe, I know Joe's not going to win. But holy shit, Joe might win. Like, like, Joe just had that great of a performance. They told that good of a story in six minutes. 
to the point of it should have took a couple more finishes to finish Joe off. I hate that. But as soon as I saw him only take one and he was out, I was like, oh, it's not over. Like, Joe finally worked his way into the main event picture, and Vince can't deny this shit, and we're going to get it again at SummerSlam in some form or fashion. Yeah, see, I still disagree with you. I, I, like, for one, I, this was all Joe. This is all Joe's doing. Okay, maybe and, I'm giving Lesnar too much credit for, you know, yeah. letting Joe carry him. How about I say like, he He let Joe carry the match. He let Joe do the pacing, and he had that little slick move. Where he uh he kind of showed some athleticism, went through Joe's leg, and then suplexed. Like there were some transitions. There were there was some psychology. What was the last time we saw that shit out of Lesnar? When it wasn't suplex, suplex, F five, repeat. There was some psychology. This is match. I, I really liked um, Lesnar just giving that opportunity to Joe. I, yeah, I just I mean, so the thing is, is that everybody knew Joe was going to lose, right? It was Correct. just a matter of how. And Joe, who has carried this entire program. He's made, I mean, he's the only person who you look at and go, yeah, he might be able to fuck up Brock Lesnar. That was like <laughs> the thing is when you see Joe and you watch how he physically is. So everything made sense from that perspective. Like the, the, the assault in the beginning, slamming him through the table, all that made sense. But my problem was is like about the rest hold, like the, the you know, there was like a chokehold rest hold. And I'm like, this is setting, like, they used the Kikina clutch as a rest hold. And I had they a did. problem. <laughs> and I also had a problem with it because it, it was telegraphing how he was going to F5 Joe, right? Like, he would, like the Kikina clutch wasn't on from the rear. It was, like, kind of sideways so Brock could pick him up. So the whole time I'm watching the match, I'm like, Brock's just going to F5 him out of this shit. Like, it's coming yeah. eventually. And six minutes later, it happens. So, yeah, it was, it was one of Brock's better matches in recent memory. But it's like you look at... Brock versus Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. I thought, at, oh, Hell in a Cell? Mm, okay. Yeah. It's like, like, you look at Brock versus Cena Extreme Rules, not when Cena got bodied, but the first one. Or you look at Brock Punk, obviously. I mean... Those four. Okay, I'll give it to you. Those are definitely his best four. And you, I, know, you know, I just thought Taker, Taker was Taker. You know, it was the it was of Taker. But. but, you know, Brock allowed Taker to get his shit in, and it was fun. Like, there were fun things. Like, this oh, match definitely. was bad. This one wasn't bad, but it was just really, really awesome moment, Joe. I just wish it went longer, and I had a problem with him only eating one F5 for the finish. More importantly, the fact that I have a little bit of concern now and trepidation now that they're putting Joe and Reigns in a match to see who goes to SummerSlam. Like, the rematch should just be inevitable. I Like, Joe saved the promo on Raw. Because, like, Lesnar and uh, Reigns going back and forth was pathetic until Joe came out there. And well, Lesnar did have some funny-ass lines. <laughs> I mean, Joe, I mean, Lesnar, you know, when he speaks occasionally, he'll have some funny lines. But with Reigns in there, which we'll talk about in a second, it just felt weird. Like, you have unfinished business. Why are you t- trying to deal with Lesnar? Which I hope they figure this out next week. But six minutes, Joe, I mean, Joe has been one of those guys who showed up on the roster, like we said about AJ Styles last week. Showed up on the roster and was like, oh, yeah, we'll plug him in. We'll see how it works. And then he's a, he's a much better hand than anybody expected because he's not just here to put guys over. People were chanting for Joe at the pay-per-view. People but were chanting for Joe on Raw. That was the case with all the indie guys they've given a chance to, right? And it's all been mistake, mistakenly. Finn gets injured. They're scrambling. Yo, who can carry this just for a quick second until we figure out what's going on? Yo, Kevin can do it. All right, yo, throw Kevin in there. Kevin Owens goes. He doesn't drop the title for months. AJ yeah. Styles, hey, we're scrambling. Who can do it? You know what? Let's see if AJ can do this. Cena's about to go on vacation. Who can carry it? All right, we'll give AJ a shot. He's been doing some good work. 
Boom. AJ's into it. AJ carries a belt. Like, they've had to break out to luck into these situations. And yet and still, we still have Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton headlining a SmackDown. Uh, I, 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 I know, in a Punjabi I know. prison match. It's back, baby. Ugh. Hey, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but back to Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, the main event, you know, it was six minutes, uh, it, you know, it started with like five minutes left in the pay-per-view, so you already knew the match was going to be short. It was a little frustrating. It was almost one of those times where you would have said, you know what, they could have put that match on before Strowman and Reigns because it was telegraphing how short the match was going to be. Correct. Um, so, so, but and Strowman and Reigns wouldn't have felt as ridiculous if it was last. Yeah, so like this whole pay-per-view felt like one of those old WCW things where they just timed everything poorly because... Finn Balor not being on the, in this card at all was crazy. Makes no right? damn sense. Granted, no he, was sense. In a few, he was in a few with Elias Samson, which nobody cared about. But which is Finn they Balor. blew off on Raw. Which was terrible. And, I mean, not that anybody really wanted to see it, but they told, they told us that R-Truth and Goldust were fighting at this pay-per-view, too. And that didn't happen. But they gave us all this time for Braun Strowman and Reigns after the ambulance thing, which we're about to talk about. And in the middle of all that, they threw out Heath Slater and Kurt Hawkins? Like, I was just really baffled by how the pacing was for this pay-per-view. <laughs> this thing and says Heath Slater defeats Kurt Hawkins. I didn't even see the fight. I didn't see the finish. I don't think anybody did, except for the people who were in the arena who were just as confused as we were. So, all right, so let's talk about Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Now, I predicted that Reigns would win because you can lose this match and not necessarily look bad. I got to lose this match and not necessarily look bad right. I got the winner wrong. Because Reigns, looked, he went... <laughs> rabbit season, duck season, like somebody said on <laughs> in an article, and Roman dove into the ambulance like an idiot, and yeah, it it, kept, it made Roman not look like a loser, and then he could come out and beat the hell out of Strowman and do that whole ridiculous ambulance scene. So, Kel, I'm gonna ask you. We all we've discussed this in great lengths about the double turn, how it felt like it, the momentum was for Strowman. What did you think about this this whole ambulance thing? Was this the way it was handled? Was it smart? it's okay it's smart if they do the right thing and the right thing isn't to take the easy way out on monday and have Strowman come and wreck both samoa joe and roman reigns and turn this stupid SummerSlam match into a fatal four-way that is the easy way out that shit is stupid what is good is to have Strowman come out and attack just Reigns. And they have a Hell in a Cell match or something super dope and let Joe go at it one more time one-on-one with Lesnar and let Joe win because of it. Because then, then Strowman can look strong again. Strowman attacks both of them, it is meaningless. And it's just another meaningless four-way. Strowman comes out, costs Reigns the match, and then Rex Reigns, the same way Reigns did him, now Strowman looks strong again. And it's not just Reigns looking strong and blowing it off. And then in a four-way, you really can't have Strowman get his revenge. It's just a big-ass waste of Strowman. You pretty much built Strowman up for Reigns to crush it, which is the Vince MO. Hopefully, he does what's right. I have zero faith in this. But I'm okay <laughs> with it if it means another one-on-one match. That's the only yeah. way this makes sense. Like, I feel like it's trending towards a, f- a four-way match at SummerSlam. Oh, I so feel like it's boring. trending that way. It's so easy. 
Yeah, and you can you can hide a lot of people in a four way match. Like Lesnar can hide the entire match, and it kind of teases the Strowman Lesnar feud. Like I I know why they'll try to do it, but it just feels so much better if they do like Strowman Reigns Hell in the Cell, and Lesnar and and Joe in like a street fight or something crazy. I don't know what it what it would be. Just it feels like though both of those feuds are built for stipulation matches, right? Yeah. Like both of them need to have some kind of stipulation where somebody's got to die. Last man standing. We already did that with Oscar, so you can't you can do it if you really wanted to, but I don't know. It actually be kind of fun to see Joe and Lesnar in the last man standing match. Unfortunately, Joe will probably lose, but that's the route that they should go. But they're I'd not. I'd like a submission match if possible. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm down with that. That could work because Brock's never going to tap out anyway. He'll no, just he's just going to pass the fuck out. Yeah, right, and he'll probably try to put Joe in a Kimura and rip his arm off. <laughs> but it just feels like. They had an opportunity here going into Monday night where you already had the double turn in process because there's nothing more babyface you can do than walk out of an ambulance that just got damn near destroyed on your own feet and then like walk back to the lagoon you came from. Yeah, like, and refuse nobody, medical attention. Yeah, like, like I don't know where the hell Strowman was going, but I just only can think that he went to like a lagoon, a cave, like and he walked into like a meteor shower. Like he just <laughs> He just disappeared and was, wasn't heard from again. I do That's, like that he wasn't on this episode of Raw, though. See, and I'm Once cool again, with that. It's fine if they do it right. But they won't. Yeah. Like, in all honesty, they, they, they're gonna, they Roman Reigns is going to be back to the baby face. And Strowman will still get the pop, but they'll still treat him like a heel. So maybe the, the, the turn will be extended. I just feel like if you, you can't end this feud without Strowman being a baby face. I, I don't know how you get out of this. Because he has to be a baby face against... Um, against Lesnar, if he goes against Lesnar, right? Like, I don't understand. Nah, You're just really. going to have giant heel versus giant heel? Look, Lesnar, I don't know what Lesnar is. Like, the fact that Lesnar says, you're not owed shit on live television, I'm like, yo, he just does what he wants. So, okay. you ambiguous. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's baby face heel ambiguous. Like, nobody knows what Lesnar is. He shows up. Like, Paul Heyman's the baby face, right? Like, he's so like he the baby is, face. And that's the craziest dynamic. Is that Heyman is so over and he's such a baby face, but he has the supposedly the beast and the healiest of clients. And I just don't feel like Lesnar's a heel anymore. Yeah, he's just like a guy. And he, he's a guy who comes and beats the shit out of people and leaves. It's, the gimmick is old. There's, my problem with Lesnar is I'm tired of the same thing. Like, Joe was great because Joe did other things, but it was like, yo, man, like, all right, German suplexes were cool when you destroyed Cena with it, but wasn't that like three years ago? Like, stop. <laughs> We got we to gotta do some more stuff. Normal like, suplex? Yeah, normal suplex. Yeah, I mean, just do a body slam. Can we do a body slam? You know, a clothesline. Like, yo, there's a... Yo, I can't he hits a clothesline, everyone's losing their mind. I don't know if you remember. There's a, there's a Raw episode a while ago. Somebody will tell me what this is. Where somebody's trying to run away from Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar rolls out of the ring and clotheslines the life out of whoever it was that was running away from him. I can't remember what it was, but he like his clothesline should be brutal. Like if anybody played the SmackDown video games, like Lesnar had his own clothesline where he just completely beheaded his opponent. So I just need to see more moves, Brock. I know you you doing a, a little for a lot, but come on, man, you got to give us more, especially against Joe. Joe deserves better. I thought he was gonna muscle buster him for a moment, but then I was like, Brock ain't taking that bump. Oh, so, that'd be so dope, though. It would be, but Brock ain't taking that bump. Nah, Brock, Brock's not fun. There's no way. So anyway, yeah. Imagine um, him injuring Brock Lesnar. That'll be the end of Samoa Joe. Yeah, but it would be fun. 
Um, other stuff on the card, Neville versus Tozawa on the pre-show was actually pretty good, I thought. But Neville hasn't had a bad match in a long time. Yeah, he's, he's just really good. Um, Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins. Totally you know, pointless feud. I don't care. Bray Wyatt. And he wins the next night on Raw. <sighs> JoJo got that fire. That's all I'm going to say. JoJo got that fire. I, I, I just don't understand. All right. Why were they feuding? It doesn't matter. Listen, man. You're, you got exposed for having a side chick. I got exposed for having a side chick. It's battle of the side chick masters. I don't know what to say. They should have got a little trophy. Like a l- yeah. little pimp cup at that. Like, I don't know. There was a side chick battle. Like he just beat the guy who's a cover athlete for uh, WWE 2K18 twice. twice. Yeah. But for no reason, really. Like Bray wins matches that don't matter. <laughs> he does. It didn't help him much. No. Um, I think they're just going to reset it. Hopefully this means Bray versus Finn. I, I don't know. Finn got to do something now because they just blew off his last feud. Um, yeah. Rollins somehow is in the IC title picture. Yo, teasing this fake shit like the Shield reunion is one of those things I don't want. Now, now I what? like I look. I'd at still them, lose my mind for a Shield reunion, I like a, a legit ass Shield reunion. Nope, not these three characters. Not, not the three characters as they are right now. One, I'm sick of Dean Ambrose. If Dean Ambrose fuse is, is continuing to fuse with the Miz, I'm out. I'm done. And you know he just hasn't been good lately. Rollins, because he's, like, <laughs> he's Rollins, not a face. Ambrose has to be a heel. Yeah, but that's that's the problem. Rollins, Rollins has been stuck in this purgatory where he continues to apologize for his previous actions. Right when he was a heel, like he still apologized. I gave my soul to the corp. Like, yo, cut it out. Just be a baby face and go. And Reigns, nobody likes him. So the best way they could go this route is for the Shield to be a heel faction again. Let's but do people, it. But they're not going to do it, right? Like, but I don't want to see the Shield as a babyface faction. I, that's just something I don't want any part of. There's no momentum there. Like, even if Reigns jumped in, like they weren't supposed to be a babyface faction at first, right? They were just right. heels, and then kind of grew into it. But see, it's one of those things. Like when DX reunites, you can't avoid them being babyfaces because people are going to pop. The, the Shield reunites, people are going to pop. But then when you really look at it, the Shield were never really a babyface faction. They were a heel faction. And that's where they thrive. So the teases on Raw, I'm like, eh, I don't want to see that shit. Especially if they're going to reunite the Shield for like the Miz and Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. I'm cool. The Shield, if they were ever going to reunite, would be for to kill Brock Lesnar. That's it. That's the only reason they should ever oh, reunite. Then Roman Reigns will take the title. Well, exactly. There you have your problem. So you, there's always going to be a problem with this because Reigns is always going to be your focal point. But that's the only reason that the Shield should ever reunite is to murder. Not, I'm not talking about like just beat him. I'm talking about like murder Brock Lesnar. So there's that. It's a damn shame. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, no need for that. Big Cass killing Enzo Amore. What? Okay. Cass's entrance music is the wackest shit I've heard in years. That's like create a wrestler number three. Yo, the CF like, Dollar a- people couldn't have done that. Nah, that- I refuse no, but- to believe they did that. I'm going to go back to like WWE 2K14, and I'm going to just pick Creator Wrestler number four theme music, and I'm pretty sure it's Big Cass. You can create the entire character Big Cass looks like now. Generic-ass black trunks. That's bad. Some black wrist bats and black boots. Long-haired white dude, generic music. And they hire him. They bring him in just to, you know, they bring him in the big show just to put Cass over. Like, they always bring the big show to make somebody look legit. Especially if they're big. 
for for Enzo to come in and give that promo, that was pointless because then he got murdered by Big Cass. So where does Enzo go from here? This is all dumb. I hated every minute of it. I don't know. It's it's a grand setup for a grand failing for Cass so they can get back together and finally have the title run that they should have had initially. Yeah. Um, Cesaro and Sharmas, <laughs> Cesaro, so Cesaro wow. and Sheamus versus the Hardys. Are we getting closer to the broken gimmick? I feel yeah. like it's coming. I feel like they're going to have them lose until they become broken. I love that, by the way. I think that's the only way you can kind of do it. Like, you keep having them lose. And then, now the Revival will probably murder them, too. So um, Top guys in the and, building. And fuck the Revival. The movement is one of the best things on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not a Cody Rhodes fan, but the fact that he says this shit all the time. He won the ROH title, leaned over, and was like, like, that shit is genius. Uh, the Young Bucks, Bullet Club, they can do no wrong, man. Fuck the Revival. I'm a hashtag everything FTR, and I like the Revival, but the movement's too strong right now. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, yeah, the Revival, I mean, the match, let's go back. The match was good. Um, I like the That's ending. Cool. The last four minutes were dope. You know, the count coming with time expiring, that's a good finish. That's a New Japan-style finish. That's the well, T1 Climax type shit. Yeah, the only problem I have with Iron Man matches is they all end the same. They all end with, like, no matter who's up, like, yo, you could be up, like, nine pinfalls, and it's going <laughs> to end within, like, a pinfall. It's always going to end the same way. So it's, like, 30 minutes, you just sitting there going, all right, when's this shit going to end? And then you're going to have this frantic finish, and it's they're all the same. So the match was cool. It, it, you know, and another thing about Great Balls of Fire, there was a lot of unintentional blood on this show. Oh, there was a lot. Everyone was leaking, right? Yeah, it was a lot of blood. Dean Ambrose, didn't Dean Ambrose bleed from the mouth? Matt Hardy bled from the eye. Yep. Strowman bled in the accident. Somebody else bled. Can't remember who. But whatever. Anyway, moving on. Um, and by the way, if I see an Iron Man match and someone wins like 5 nothing, that would be the best shit ever. That's, that's what I'd like you to see. You just get skunked? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see somebody go out there and be like, yo, let's have an Iron Man match. And it'd be like 32 to nothing. Like, I just want to see somebody just get smashed in an Iron Man match. <laughs> that is some shit you would book. That would is Andre's Hell booking 101. Uh, I, I, yo, I'd make fans suffer through it all. <laughs> and just crush your baby face. That's how, you, that's how a heel gets over. When you have an Iron Man match, you just win 8 nothing. Just, just a skunk. Just horrible. That's what I'd like to see. Um, what other match? Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss. It's going into SummerSlam. Another fatal four-way? Bailey and Nia Jax in the mix? Um, no, I hope not, actually. I, I kind of like the Banks and Bliss thing. I think it, I think that feud should continue, and I think Bailey needs to stay far, far away from the title picture. But it's always my argument. The division is so thin. We haven't even seen, like, Mickey James and Dana Brooke in a while. I don't even understand what they're doing with the women on Raw. But... Uh -huh. Dana Brooke was on a pre-show, getting talked to by fucking Emma. That's all I know. They yeah. So, so, I mean, I kind of like Bliss and Sasha just to go at it themselves because they have a pretty good feud. And not for nothing, you know, Banks has had the title a lot. She's the perfect person to make Alexa Bliss a little bit more legitimate as champion. Like, I, yeah, a lot of us want to see Sasha win and get the title back. That'd be great. But... Yeah, I'm kind of cool with Alexa Bliss being the champion. She's somebody who kind of needs the belt. It enhances her character. I'm definitely all right with it for now. Like, I, it doesn't bother me. Broken arm Bliss. That, that shit was beautiful. Yeah, she's, I mean, dude, she's a great character. And nobody saw this coming from NXT. Thought she was too small and too light in the ass when she did her moves. But now she's, she's a little bit better. 
Yeah. Well, they give her a little bit of mean streak. They give her a weapon and yeah. shit. They let her fight outside the ring. They, yeah. you know, and she wasn't like super healed out in NXT. This this works. She always hit you with something if she can't beat you. Uh, the Miz versus Dean Ambrose, not fucking with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we touched on everything else. Brock Strowman, Roman Reigns, Heath Slater, Kurt Harkins, all that stuff. What happened on SmackDown this week? Really not a damn thing. Did happened anything happen? John, wait, John Cena came back? Was that last week? That John was last Cena week. came back the fourth. Him and Rusev are just continuing their program. That's right. See, I don't even care. Uh, AJ it. Styles won the title in New York, in Madison Square Garden, in a dark match. Or not yeah. a dark match, but in a non-televised event. Um, I'm cool with that. I just, oh, you know, it's, it's still kind of weird when shit like that happens because they do it. And it's like, why did you choose there? And I get it because it's the garden. Now what? I guess they feud and exchange yeah, I the title? Oh, Good question. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know where Kevin Owens goes from here. Um, Cena and AJ kind of had weird looks in a program going on. I don't know what the hell Sami Zayn is doing. Baron Corman and Nock are in a feud. Something for not to do. I mean... does nothing for me unless sooner or later you get the stipulation that they put the briefcase on a line. So that tells them to come up off that. Not to go too deep into this because I don't feel like talking about SmackDown that much. But uh, Baron Corbin, you know, I feel like he hasn't proven himself as a title contender. So... They're in a way, they kind of would want him to go over on Nakamura, but I feel like that's the worst-case scenario because I can't remember who it was. It might have been Daniel Bryan. It might have been somebody else. was on a losing streak when they won the title. So, But Baron Corbin's in a weird spot because he's, he looks like a guy that shouldn't lose. And what I mean by that is he doesn't have any other special parts of his character. He's not a great talker. He's not a great anything. So he has to win matches. But if he continues to lose, who cares? He's worse than like Jack Swagger with the damn thing. So yeah. it's like, but you can't go over on Nakamura because that makes absolutely no sense. So I, I have, I don't know what they're doing putting these two together. I've, they got it. I'm at a loss. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I don't know either, and that's the story of SmackDown right now, right? So Naomi's not even wrestling at the pay per view coming up because it's yeah, an elimination style match to see which woman gets the belt, and we just saw that shit on Raw. <sighs> and it's not going to be better than the Sasha Nia Jax. They're just, I don't, I don't know, man. When's the G1 that. Climax start? <laughs> we got like two weeks. Shit, and then, yeah. then you'll be fine. Um, NXT, though, has been delivering good matches week after week after week. So yeah. that's held me over. Um, Roddy, Roddy Fish? Yeah, I mean, Roddy was really good in a championship match. He was. Rod, look, Roderick Strong, he was good in ROH. He was even better in PWG as a heel. Um Strangely enough, though, I feel like they're they're not going to go back to this program. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe he interferes in that. Uh, what are they doing? Killian Dane and uh, Drew McIntyre, yeah. the number one tenor spot. Maybe he gets in that, but I don't think they should pull him out of the title picture. He's he's really good. Like he's really fun to watch. No, those backbreakers so, are really legit. Oh man, he's just really good at that doing shit's that. So shit. fun, right? <laughs> like whenever he lands, what I was like, oh, that shit looks so fun. NXT is in this weird spot, though. Like, okay, so you had the, the debut of Bobby Fish. Kyle O'Reilly's right behind him. Seems like Red Dragon forming is inevitable. What caught me off guard on NXT, which shouldn't have, but it did, I was like, oh, yeah, Johnny Gargano's feuding with uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Like, I completely, it's been like weeks since they've really explored this, and now oh, well, it's Ciampa back. Well, Ciampa ACL. Right, but it just felt weird that they just, it was just like, oh, yeah. 
it's kind of the benefit of having a one hour show. So when things come back around, you're like, man, it's kind of loaded here. This 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 Brooklyn uh, NXT pay per view is going to be really good. This one, hopefully it's really longer good. because you have people like Andrade Andrade San Almas, who's been teasing like this love interest. Cool, and he loses and he doesn't care. I like the new angle. Cool. So you have him that you have to bring back. Um, you have shit. Who else? Cassius Ono and Hideo yeah. Itami are feuding. That's going to be headed towards something. Yeah, um, Alistair Black is feuding with no one. No, and you still that- you still have the whole fucking Sanity crew. Like, there's a lot of people to fit in, y'all. Then Drew yeah. McIntyre still is there, and you just have so many people to fit into the show now. It's the benefit of having a loaded roster, but then it's the detriment because then you got to try to fit all this great talent on the show. Yeah, but then you got to go two hours. You got to go something. Two hours isn't too much wrestling, by the way. It's It's not not. New Japan 6. It's not Raw 3. You know, two hours is okay. I'll watch two hours of NXT every week. Yeah. And be perfectly happy because I can watch that shit on my own pace. It's on demand. I got it. Like, give me two hours. At this point, you're bringing in 32 women for a tournament. You're going to have to have more women's matches. Eventually, when you sign half of them to contracts, like two hours are cool. The Velveteen Dream debut. Who is it? Like, okay. Who is a horrible version of Dalton Castle? <laughs> He's just a horrible character in itself. Like, <laughs> they should have never dropped his name. Just have him be known as the Velveteen Dream, but dropping what Patrick Clark or whatever. Yeah, like don't, on t- just, his name is just the Velveteen Dream. Like, that's weird shit. He just looks like a guy who's acting like Gold does. And Don, like Dalton Castle's like believable. Him, he just looks like somebody who's trying to play the part poorly. Yeah, he looks fucking horrible. And his hair, how do you even get your hair like that like a black man? I don't know. As a black man, how do you make your hair stand straight up on end? A lot of white people products. <laughs> that shit's wild. I don't even know how you did. That's, that's a perm and a half he got going. Um, I don't like the character either, but he's still someone that you have to fit in. True. So it, it's just, it's so deep. The tag team title picture, you know, we saw heavy machinery. Um, the champions have barely been on television because you're trying to build so many fucking storylines. So authors of pain are sitting there. You're going to add Red Dragon to the mix. You got the, what, Street Prophets or Street Poets or some shit? What, Crime Time 2.0? Yeah, Ugh. debuting. Um Jeez. Even though the, I, I've seen like their highlights on house shows, they actually look pretty fucking funny. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah, the crime time angle, like hopefully they don't make them like, you know, just fucking bad guys. Like, like criminals? Cri- yeah, mean, don't crime- make them criminals. Like just let them be, you know, new generation black dudes where you just dance and do stupid shit. Like, I don't even want, like, I just want them to kick some ass. That's all. You don't have to, you don't have to be hooligans to kick ass. No, don't be hooligans, but be like young, new wave, little yachty ass type dudes. Yeah, good you know, luck. Some, some wild shit. I feel like one of them carries a cup like he's sipping lean, though. Very possible. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The black dude, he like tries not to, they're both black, but the um, little dude with waves tries not to spill his cup all the time. I think that shit sticked. He can't spill his lean. He's drank. Uh, I don't know. We got to see what they do. That shit's going to be funny. Um, yeah, so just a ton of talent, man. NXT is stacked. We have that women's tournament coming up, which after like two spoilers last night at the live tapings, I was like, yo, I got to stop looking at these spoilers. Oh, I didn't look at any of them. Oh, it was just pissing me off. Um, even though the Asian chick, who's like the equivalent of Asuka, she made her debut. She is dope. She's as advertised. 
well, I'll see it when it when airs. When it airs, uh, of course. You don't yeah. do any type of spoilers. The finale is out here in Vegas, I read. So we got to get yeah. tickets or something to that. You you got all the connections. You're the one who sits front row at NXT and shit. Oh, I'll be there. And stuff. I don't know to tell you. <laughs> I'll be at this. I'm, I'm calling in a favor for that one. Yeah, yeah. We got to, uh, <clears throat> you know, two tickets wouldn't hurt. <laughs> leave your boy out in the wind. See, that's people <laughs> who don't know us in real life and just listen to podcasts. They always do be so dirty, people. So we'll be like, oh, yo, we're going to do this. And then, like, Marcus Vanderberg will come in town. And you'll be like, yo, Kel, well, me and Marcus are going to this. I'll be like, you and Marcus? Like, yo, Kel, you want to come? I buy my ticket. I'm like in the nosebleeds. Him and Marcus are on the fucking cage side. That's how it was at ROH. They're ringside patting on the thing. I'm four levels up. Oh, but we bought the tickets for that. You were just late. I don't know what happened to you for that. I wasn't offered the group invitation to buy tickets. Yes, you were. I was not. See, you got... Yo, people, they just do me so dirty all the time. You're like, yo, so we're sitting here. You and AJ, this is two times at all. Yeah, that was me and AJ. Like, Ryan was sitting at the top. Like I sat next to Ryan. Exactly. So that wasn't... Yo, y'all didn't want to pay for the tickets or whatever the case was. So I that's what happened. I broke at that time. This time you get a pass. I may have been in jail and it took all my money. All right. So there we have it. That's the show. For- <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I'm trying to make sure it don't happen again. That's what I'm saying. Like, come on. I need to be front row too. A boy could use some perks. <laughs> Let me be on TV. I want to be like Kaz in the fucking videos when they always show the women's title match with Sasha and Bailey. And Kaz is just wilding out. Second yeah, row. Yeah, so I him up. My boy Jeff were there. That was crazy. Yeah, come on, man. I need to be on a DVD somewhere. Yeah. We're really meta right now because like people listen to the show are like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, <laughs> That's right. So happens. yeah, <laughs> listen. This is what people come for. This this is what it is. So uh, that's our show for this week. I have to go to the NBA Summer League. Andreas got to go write a million articles. I'm sure. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at the Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Old Man Andreas, O L D M A S Andreas. That's never gonna happen. Yo, when you see a parody account next week with your face on it, it happens. Well, then it will happen. Don't doubt the Corner Club; they'll make that shit real quick. Uh, So, (laughs) until then, though, next week check back in. Right now, we're out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.